0: Hi, my name is Johnny C. McGinley, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. All the best. Have you ever to Disneyland? Affirmative.
1: That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs hi Death TV.
0: You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... I noticed that Peckinpah's films were... Yikes. Those things, they ring true. That stuff, that violence is really...
2: Yeah.
0: But he's making a point of it. And, yeah. And I, I, you know, like something like the A-Team always bothered me because they made violence so kind of... Cool. I mean, I'm being a hypocrite. Well, and fun, like a guy would jump into a room and he'd spray the room with bullets and nobody ever got hurt. Like, yeah, that's probably, I don't know why, it, that always bothers me. I could never watch those shows. Yeah. Here are your hosts,
3: Jamie
1: Green and Justin
3: Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, as well as anywhere you get podcast from share with your friends like follow us on twitter all that stuff i've just commanded them that's that's out of the way we've commanded them to do what they need to do
2: <laughs> how many people really listen though you know i wonder
3: <laughs> i wonder well we were just talking about this and uh, and you the listener i don't know how into podcasts you are or if you to listen to us we're the only podcast you listen to um, but even if you do listen to me, you might not know like the, what goes in behind the scenes and Jamie and I were just talking and I know this has nothing to do with the interview, but the technology for podcasting and the way that we have to upload the episodes to iTunes and it is really dated. Like, I, I don't think it has been updated since podcasting. started I don't, I don't want to be quoted on that, but the way that we have to do it, it seems like it hasn't been really updated since podcasting yeah. began. And I I feel comfortable saying that like you do. the
2: There's not a consistent (laughs) way that people do it too. You know, like, and I guess like, I would have assumed that after like 10, 15, I don't know about 15, but like 10 solid years of people doing this, that one or two methods for actually podcast, like actual, not, not the actual process of sitting down and talking into a microphone, but like updating your feed and making a feed and putting it out there and getting you know websites like itunes and google play and stuff to grab it there's not one way that everybody does it you know and it seems like by this point apple or google or somebody would have come in and said listen this is how you're going to do it and we're going to monetize it and make money off of you like you had mentioned like something like the youtube model and it's still after 10 years of people do podcasting it's still like the wild west. People are just doing whatever they want, and there's like you look up, you just do a Google search for like how to <laughs> how to start a podcast or how to create you know an RSS feed so people can subscribe, and you'll find twenty different answers from twenty different people. It's insane.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And everybody right. thinks that their way is the way to do it, and everybody will say, you know, this is our way. We've been podcasting for ten years, and this is how we do it. And that might be, but. It's so crazy. So, with all that said, if you missed the episode, our last one, th- we're gonna blame it on that.
2: Well, potentially, I don't know. It could just be a weird, a weird, weird glitch on my end. But um, what I liked, what I liked last week, Justin, was that you, we started off by giving people a uh, what would you call it, like a not an order, a
3: question like, of the a week. question of the week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I, I have a question of the week, if you don't mind.
3: Yes, go for it.
2: Oh, okay, I was waiting for your permission. Uh, my question of the <laughs> week to everybody out there in listener land is: How do you listen to us? Uh, I'm really curious for what you use to listen to podcasts. Not just us, but any podcast you listen to. Do you do you use the the, the podcast app on an Apple device? Do you use Google Play? Do you use Stitcher? Do you use um, su- YouTube? If, if, is that is that your preferred outlet? Do you like to go to YouTube to get your video, your audio? podcasts is there something else that i didn't mention something that maybe i don't even know about i know there's a ton down downcast is an app uh, i use occasionally on my my phone uh there's a ton a ton of different ways to subscribe and get podcasts and we are just curious um what you use and if you like it and what you like about it so tweet us facebook us let us know call us um let us know what it is that you use and, uh, and uh, we'll see if there's something that we should be changing.
3: Yeah. We're always open to change. And well, we might, we, yeah, anyway, we're always open to change. We'll just put it that way. Um, <laughs> so Jamie, this week you have a wonderful interview. Once again, why don't you tell us about it? Who are the people here for?
2: Yeah. Uh, the people are here today for Jeff Darrow. Um, if, if you are into graphic novels or comics, uh, Jeff, Jeff, is is a guy whose name you've probably seen around um he he has how should i say this his work is kind of notorious for being incredibly insanely detailed uh if you've ever looked at one of his covers or flipped through one of his books um it's kind of just mind-boggling how much detail he can put into a into a sketch uh, he he worked with Frank Miller back in the day on Hardboiled and Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. He has been doing Shaolin Cowboy for a number of years now. Um, he has done a lot of different covers. He's done a lot of one shots. He has collaborated on a bunch of uh, films. He works as a conceptual designer in film. Um, he he's just an incredible guy. Like and just in terms of the art. Um, even if you're not a fan of the actual stories that he's telling, um, it's hard not to be blown away by the talent that he just puts onto the page. Uh so this uh, today, you know, we talk a lot about uh Shaolin Cowboy. His the newest um collection, trade paperback, is out now. It's called Who'll Stop the Rain. Uh it's you know, as many of his books are, it's kind of a, a biting satire, but over-the-top hyper violent story. Um He's also got Dark Horse just recently also put out a book called Lead Poisoning, which is it's an art book, but it focuses on his um, his pencil sketches and his pencil drawings. So it's it's his art without the coloring that comes later. Uh, And it's it's. I don't know if they if they make an ebook version of this. I got the book uh, to review to take a look at as PDFs, and the nice thing about that is that you can zoom in, which you obviously can't oh, wow. do with a with a physical book. But just the ability to zoom in on some of this art, it just blew mm-hmm. me away because it's you know you look at it and you think there's a lot of detail, and then you just get it closer and closer and closer, and it's it's unreal. It's just unreal the amount of talent that this guy has and how much he can put on the page. Uh, so we talk about a lot of different things. His career stretches all the way back. He started out in character design on a lot of Hanna-Barbera properties. Um, so we stop, we stop a lot of, we, we stop, we talk a lot about that, about his influences. He, you know, he's a big Tintin fan. Uh, we talk a lot about Shaolin Cowboy and uh, the, the messages and the symbolism that he's been putting into a lot of his books.
3: I mean, who isn't a Tintin fan? Really?
2: I mean, who isn't? I've I've yet to meet somebody who's who's read Tintin and not become a fan.
3: Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy.
2: <laughs> well, let's let's start. I guess way back uh, earlier in your career, way back at the beginning, you worked for Hanna Barbera. Um,
0: yeah, on a number a I worked in advertising for a few years
2: you worked in av- that was my question because I was I, I was trying to figure out what it was specifically that you did I did not think that you were an animator but it just all I could no, find was that you did some character design so that was a- advertising is what you yeah. were doing
0: yeah I, I was you know working at a you know a agency that did, but primarily that there were audiovisual shows for like big companies like McDonald's and uh, mm. Pearl Vision, and and they would have these seminars once a year where they would get their salesmen to come to San Francisco. And it was kind of like, you know, just an excuse for the salesmen to get out of the house, away from their, their home cities, and they'd probably get drunk and try to pick up prostitutes. And, <laughs> and during the day, they'd have to sit through these uh, speeches, and we would do these uh, slideshow equivalent uh, or, or accompaniment that would, you know, as they're talking about the sales of, uh, of of gonorrhea related items to, uh, their sales of condoms. And then we do pie charts and then they do cartoons of, you know, the talking condom or, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so that's what I did oh, for a while. So I moved to Los Angeles.
1: Um,
2: somehow I think that you did not do talking condoms for Hanna Barbera though.
0: <laughs> oh no, they were, they were very, it was really a strict, uh, they, those were the days where they had, uh, i mean you can't i mean i look at cartoon network and the stuff that they can do now yeah. just things we could not uh that i don't know what they call it this board this board that would look at your drawings and decide whether they were racist or if they were uh yeah like a censor board and, uh, yeah
2: yeah was, was that yeah. your first job out of art school
0: no, no, no. Well, my first job in our school was working in advertising. And yeah. The reason I moved—I just wanted to get out of Chicago, and I—I I, I figured because i look at Hanna Barbera cartoons and I thought they were so bad. <laughs> I thought, "Well, they, I bet they would. I mean, even, even a hack like me could get a job at Hanna Barbera." I go "They must—you know—they'll hire anybody." They'll hire anybody. like And when I got out there, I realized that they had some amazing artists working out there, but. The shows were so cheap that they, uh, the amazing work they would do, by the time it got filtered through the uh, animation system, which was most animation was done in uh, Taiwan and at cut rate prices, that it just ended up looking really mediocre. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, I met so many amazing artists out there that, that. they just work never really made it on the screen. Yeah, I mean
2: you, but it's ironic that you say that. You know, you go going out there, you thought that it was so bad and they would hire anybody because you were there at the same time as Jack Kirby, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Jack was out there doing models, and but even those guys, they had a hard time. Even Jack had a hard time because drawing in comics and drawing it for animation is different because uh, you have to do a drawing for animation. Like we were, he was doing character designs and that's what, what i was doing but you have to they have to be three-dimensional you have to be able to turn them around and some of what jack would do would be very um you know it, it looked great but you couldn't turn it because it was wasn't totally three-dimensional and uh and you could, i mean it, so some of the stuff that hannah barbara it never really looked like jack by the time i got to the screen yeah. although that being said, he eventually went over to Ruby Spears, and they did manage to make it look like Jack's drawings. And yeah. they did a good because you could look at he did a lot of work on Thundar. and if you looked at it, you go, yeah, that's that's a Jack Kirby monster, this or that. Yeah. But my boss would always change Jack's drawings; he just never looked like. Uh, there were a few guys that came out there at that time. There was Carmen Infantino was out there, and hmm. uh, he had trouble doing the models too because. He, they weren't some of the stuff that he would draw it just wasn't it was flat and you had to it it, it didn't work when you turned it sideways uh, yeah. in profile and I don't know if I'm describing it very well
2: no yeah exactly I get it um,
0: th- I wasn't good at it but I I did I did mostly uh, for the longest time I did cars and trucks I did the stuff nobody else wanted to do yeah so I saw you know a van if there was a van driving through the scene or if there was a race car or a spaceship. I would do that. I did monsters, but the main characters I did, I was never very good at.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. Did you did you guys work as a um, as a team? Like, did you work directly with with those guys? Like guys like Jack or Carmine, or did you work oh, independently?
0: Oh no, 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 Those guys. Jack would come in once a week. That, they'd give him a script. that would say, "We want you to work on this. These, you know. Um, I mean, he was working on Scooby Doo, and, yeah. and they'd give him a script and they'd say, "We want you to do." A pterodactyl, a Scooby as a caveman, Shaggy as a cave uh and then he would bring in these drawings, or if it was, this, uh, he, was working on, he did some work on some of these space ghost shows that they mm-hmm. did, and Astro and the Space Mutts, and I don't know, all these other things that they did, and he would do spaceships and monsters, and those would come in, and, uh, but he'd bring them in once a week, and that's when I'd see him, Yeah. And, his wife would drive him in, and uh, it's funny, funny. So, God, the stuff he did for Scooby-Doo was just—it <laughs> <laughs> was, it was pretty amazing.
2: <laughs> um, you know, look, looking back, though, at, at the work that you did there, you know, you said you were working on the, the vehicles and the stuff that nobody else wanted to do, and you, you know, did you do you think that that work? Um, whether it's advertising or if it was working in the character or, or vehicle design, that kind of thing, did that eventually or help inform your artistic oh, yeah. style I, that I, you would I, develop?
0: Yeah. Well, I, if, if I had not worked at Hanna-Barbera, I would never have, uh, I wouldn't be drawing the way I do now. Really? Given that, um, I couldn't draw in perspective very well, and I... I just with fake stuff because you're a lot of comedy, you just fake things. I mean, if it looks right, it's fine. In animation, it can't just look right, it has to be right. A car has to be three dimensional. Once I keep harping on that, so you can turn it. Mm-hmm. And and if it's, and I, my boss disliked what I did so much. And he goes, Did you ever go to school? And I said, Yeah. He goes, Well, hmm, really? Hmm, you got a lot to learn. <laughs> oh, no. And it was just, it was just I, I'd come home just. Just depressed, so horribly depressed, because he just hated what I do. And the only way, way I survived was to do things like cars, and like if there was a bucket, or a a baby rattle, or a, a, a weapon, something that, you know, he didn't care as much about, that he would, you know, and I eventually worked on a show called Rich and Rich with a woman named, I'm going to forget her name, uh, yeah. God, and she said am gonna blank on her name. she was just an amazing artist,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and God, she was like she looked like Marilyn Monroe, okay, but she was so beautiful, and everybody was in love with her, and I'd given her my drawings, and she'd take them in the boss, and they would always get approved because they came through her. Oh. if I took him in, he would just murder me and uh, God, she was God, she was just a beautiful woman uh,
2: so was that was that your uh was that your back door to, to get your art approved?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd give it to her. Nice. And uh and then I learned the tricks that are always good would be like I'd wait to the last minute to hand things in. And he goes, he look at her and goes, hmm, huh. Uh I go, Well these are due tomorrow. <laughs> they're due tomorrow? I go, Yeah. Okay, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You got
2: to learn the secrets when you when 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 yeah. you're working someplace I mean, like that.
0: Otherwise, he always changed stuff, and was always, I mean, even take things in as a joke, and he change. I Remember once there was an episode of Richie Rich where they, that he had some Mexican jumping beans, and I mean, you know, who needs a model of a like, right. design of a jumping bean, but I did one. Right. Anyway, as a joke, and I even drew the figure Richie Rich. Standing, uh, standing next to the bean, and it was so tiny. <laughs> and he took it in, and he goes, "Huh, uh, I think this bean might be a little too big." And he redrew the fucking bean. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Did he?
2: it wasn't. He wasn't playing along with the joke. He just. Oh le-
0: no, 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 not at all. I mean, he just didn't. Everything. He just didn't like me. I mean, <sighs> when I, a friend of mine, I left there, and eventually, I think some of this guy said that he showed the comics that I was doing to him. the guy was like, hmm, huh, hmm. he never did work like that for us when he was here.
2: <laughs> Maybe if he treated me a little bit better.
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean, he was right. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I couldn't draw. And I wasn't good, but and if he hadn't, in a way I owe him, because if he hadn't browbeat me, made me feel so bad. I never would have like, you know, started working on perspective, which was a key for me to learn how to draw everything.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So do you think that was, was that one of your biggest takeaways from that experience? The, the ability to oh, yeah. perspective? Yeah, it
0: was like, oh how much you have perspective and how you get to draw things with form and uh, uh, draw through things and yeah, uh, think about size and size relationships. And,
1: yeah.
2: Um, you know, you've worked.
0: I was gonna, it's gonna bug me that I can't think of her name because her mother was Anita, um, Anita Young. Sandy 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 Young was her name and her mother was Ania Young who was a movie star. Nice. And uh and then oh, holy cow man <laughs> she 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 see, because I was always like the, the, the straightest guy on the planet and, and so kind of I don't know kind of boy scoutish and she asked me to share an apartment with her because she, she knew that I wouldn't like trying jumping on her. <laughs> Which was kind of like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you were safe. Flattered, I'm flattered and insulted at the same time. <laughs> and I think uh, Dave Stevens ended up moving in with her. Really? Yeah, but God damn, that woman. I mean, and she was just like that sort of Marilyn Monroe and something like it hot, very pulpish and just a figure that would. But God, that woman could do anything. And then they didn't care. she could draw. She could really, really, really draw, though. Wow. Yeah, she was talented. I mean, it wasn't like they. Anyway, digressing. But you know, she, no, it's was, okay. she died. She, she's dead now. But she was. Yeah. You know, uh, something. Nice so to me. Save my. Save my. Save me. There you go. i would work at, at Hanna Barbera for like four months, and then I would be on unemployment for half a year, and then I somehow managed to survive, and then the guy never wanted to hire me back. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. You know?
0: <laughs> but she would ask for me and uh, I always felt like they were kind of fill up that empty seat and they'd bring me she'd bring they'd bring me back. And thank I'd you. Work for her.
2: Thank you, know? Sandy. Thank you, Sandy.
0: Yeah, thank you, Sandy Benet. <laughs>
2: um that's fan- right. that's fantastic. Uh you have said in the past uh that Hergé and Tintin were an influence on you. And yeah. I hear that again and again and again from artists that Tintin was a, such a major influence. And I mean, they are timeless. My kids actually recently discovered them and love them, which was a surprise to me. But yeah. what, what is it about them do you think that makes them so influential? So timeless?
0: Well, I, I just think the drawing, I mean, the, the you know, it, it's, I mean, it, the figures look cartoony, but they're not actually, I mean, except the faces are very simplified all the backgrounds are very accurate and very well-drawn. They're really beautifully drawn, three-dimensional comics. I mean, uh, and they're just, for kids, they're easy to read, and they're not too, you know, they, I mean, I I actually came to Tintin through those movies, these live-action movies they made in the 60s. Oh, really? I don't know if you've ever seen them. I've they're not. They're really... They're really disturbing. Look it up on YouTube. Okay. Because I remember seeing those first in their dub and all the characters, they, they look just like they do in the comics. And I was like, what are, what is this supposed to, is he supposed to be a boy or a man or what? Cause he's just so odd. The guy that was playing and they made two of these movies. They're live and action they're, they're, movies. Yeah. Live action. Okay. And they're and they dubbed and it's got that classic You're, Tintin. What are you doing here? I don't know, but are we got to do something? We're really <laughs> Oh, look at the pigman! You know those goofy. And I swear to God, when I saw Pee Wee Herman. I thought Pee Wee Herman was doing the Tintin from these cartoons because he had the same kind of hair. Yeah. And uh, and so I knew of those from from that. And then I found out that there were comic books, and um, you know, I I I I started buying them, but I. Actually, the first comic strip that ever had printed, which was printed in France, I was lucky enough to get a woman named Nicole Tenen who was the niece of Hergé, and uh, she colored the last Tintin books, and she colored my first story.
1: And, oh, wow. Yeah. You
0: know, but by the second one, it was so complicated, she quit, because it was too much work. <laughs> but... I got to go to Studio RG and I met uh, Bob Damore, who did a lot of the backgrounds on the on the, on the comics. And uh, I got to see the original pages; he was there showing them to me. Yeah,
2: that's amazing. And
0: Bob Demore was an interesting guy because he was living in Belgium during the war, and like he was playing in the park when they, they got the bomb. It could have been a U.S. bomb, and the like, shrapnel blew two of his fingers off. Oh my
2: gosh! Yeah, Jeez. there you go. Uh, um, you, you, let's talk about your art. You mentioned something there that that's a perfect lead and You said that, you know, she she did the first one of your strips, but then it got too complicated and she quit. You are notoriously detailed. Um yeah. a, and I'm wondering uh jumping around here a little bit here in my in my own head, but so especially on something like Shaolin Cowboy, um Dave Stewart does a phenomenal job coloring that. But have you had experiences where other people just look at it or try it and they say, "Man, this is just—it's just too much. I can't do it." They're just intimidated by it.
0: Well, I've had yeah, I've had guys quit. Uh, when I was the burly man issues of of Shell and Cowboy, I had someone quit on me, and I it really made me fairly angry just because whenever people when we were trying out for it because I wanted to see what they would do, I would give them a complicated page and say, "Look, here's what it's going to be like." Yeah. And. This, if you can't do this or if this is too much, you'll know right now and we won't, we won't go any further. And, uh, you know, the person did it nonetheless and then quit after one issue. And I was like, yeah. they left me in the lurch. And, and amazing enough, I tell this story and Mike Mignola brought it up because he's got a memory like a steel trap. <laughs> because Dave actually tried out for it a long time ago. And I... I I, I said, no, I, 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 uh, I, I said, no, because I had these dogs in this drawing, and he drew all the dogs the same color. And I said, you know, dogs aren't all the same color. <laughs> it was easier to do it that way. <laughs> and, yeah, well, you know, it's like, I remember when, when eventually, you know, I, I asked Dave to do it. Mike said, they said, yeah, I guess it's in the body and now the dogs are all the same color. It's something like am paraphrasing <laughs> this when i would first see my stuff in color because it's never the way i imagined it generally yeah right uh, at the beginning nicole tannen i mean and peter doherty did a, a fantastic job it, it wasn't exactly what i thought it was different but it was really good but it wasn't it still wasn't the way i saw it in my head and when dave agreed to work on it despite the fact you know years ago i turned him down because of the dogs <laughs> uh, i never even talked to him actually uh, at the time, uh, but he, I sent him some books of the color range that I like, mostly Japanese woodblock prints, and uh, um, there's a, a Russian folktale artist from the turn of the century, I think his name is uh, Biliban, something like that. Okay, Yeah, Bilaban, really beautiful, just beautiful stuff, and I sent all that stuff to him. And the first time he sent it to me, I was like, wow, that's it exactly. Yeah. He like hit it out of the park right from the beginning. Like, I changed very little, just very, very little. And and he's amazed because like, I'll draw this stuff. And like, there's a guy behind a guy behind a guy. and There's yeah. a sign behind that guy. And the guy's at a cigarette butt. And you get like a corner of a guy's finger behind a guy, between a guy's elbow. Yeah, And he always... Said, well How he deciphers my drawings and that he knows... He knew that that was a hand holding a cigarette behind all that shit. And I don't even know how the hell he does it, because sometimes I don't. Know. I have to stop and look at it, and when yeah. I make it, I go, like, oh, wait a minute, what is this? I have no idea what these lines are here. And I'll have to, like, trace them out to, oh, that's his hand holding a cigarette. Now I got it. That's funny,
2: because, you know, I was looking through the the new book about... With your pencil art, the new art book, Lead Poisoning. And And, like, I got to say, some of the pieces just made me dizzy looking at it because it's, there is so much detail and I could see how, you know, somebody tasked with coloring that would, would get a little lost, but it sounds like even (laughs) you get a little lost in the pieces sometimes. I do,
0: yeah, because I forget what I've drawn and I don't know, you know, I, 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 I know that that line, you know, between the, the duck's head and the carp jumping out of the water and the rock that's in front of that means something but you have to know what it is before you ink it otherwise if you make it too heavy or if you, it eventually it comes in oh once again oh it's in the hand or it's uh the edge of a, a car bumper or, or whatever it could be and what what i'm in, i can make a decision an informed decision based on knowing what it is that line yeah that's amazing so, how it is pretty
2: when you're working on a piece like that you know like a piece that's like something that's been highlighted in lead poisoning you know that's really detailed full page or spread how long does it usually take until you're satisfied with how it looks
0: i i you know i i i i'm never very satisfied i just have to get it done and hope you know i always like move on to the next one and hope it's better but i I just i don't know i i uh I generally have to get like one thing, like like in music, they call it a hook, yeah. a song, and like a hook in a drawing. Like, if I draw one thing that I'm kind of satisfied with, then I can move out from there. But at the very beginning, I'm always like, nah, I don't know. This looks pretty wonky, this lizard here. And then I'll, if I draw like, a, let's say, a, you know, a, 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 a car, I go, ah, eh, the car isn't so bad. Oh, this might hold this whole thing together. And then i <laughs> but I mean I, I I, think I've only ever yeah I don't I mean I have a lot of drugs I look back at them I wish I hadn't a lot of them I wish I hadn't done that but yeah. for the most part they they I don't know I just keep going hoping it'll be better and by the end it's <laughs> too much work for me to turn back
2: yeah oh I can but, see that absolutely uh, do you ever work digitally?
0: no I've never had i like. like I mess around on a tablet a little bit, but I don't know. I just never.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit of
0: a dinosaur. I mean, even I, you know, I do movie stuff now, and I'm probably one of the last guys that actually draws on paper because everybody's. Yeah.
2: Well, it it it's, it seems like it would be easier, quite honestly, to you know just take pencil to paper for some of the pieces that you do, rather than try to get that detailed.
0: Well, I, mean, well, I just feel well, you know, people can do it. I just. I feel confined by uh, I, be, I feel confined by the size of the tablet. Mm. I just I don't know what it is, and because I, I generally put like a full sheet of Stratmore more down when they start that way. If I, I kind of like a lot of my pages, they're not uniform size. They're a little better than they used to be because mm-hmm. I kind of like draw draw things that I, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to make the rest of the page bigger because it's kind of outside the proportion. <laughs>
2: Has your style evolved over the years?
0: I guess so. I don't know. I think yeah.
2: so. But I mean, are you uh, doing stuff on Shaolin Cowboy that, like, maybe earlier in your career when you were just starting out, like, you never could have imagined? Or is uh, it, are yeah. you you're doing the same yeah. thing, do you think?
0: No, no. I think I'm doing stuff I could never have. I would never have attempted. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I used to, I remember the first time I saw Mobius, who, you know, Jean Giraud. Right book I ever got, which was a book from Bud Plant, and uh I just looked at it, I go, I don't know how anybody could draw this. This doesn't seem human to me. And it was like this train trestle going over a mountain pass and then the, the train's getting attacked by Indians on horseback. And it's like an upshot. And I'm like, oh the how the hell can anybody draw this? It's, it's kind of like, you know, I I had the same experience in art school. There was an art, art artist that I went to school with, and now he draws comics, too. He just did a book with Mike Mignola, Gary Gianni. Okay. Um, and he had done this drawing of a ghost cowboy leaning up against a tree, and you could see through him. You could see the tree through him. And uh, I was like, how the hell can anybody draw that? <laughs> I don't know. And the re- I mean, my recent one is uh, Kim Jong... Uh, you know him, the, 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 that amazing Korean artist that just he boggles the imagination. How the hell does he do that? You ever seen him draw?
2: No, I haven't. This is this is yeah. fun. I mean, so I am yeah. not an artist. I don't
0: I... Look, this guy, look this guy up on YouTube. All right, what's he his wrote, name? Kim Jong Gi, I think. Okay. Let me let me I just you know, hold on, I mean, hold on a second. I'll give you his name for sure. I'm just trying to find.
1: Hold on a second, because you should really. Oh, man.
0: This guy, he just Kim Jong Gi, yeah, Kim K I M, Jong J U N G, and then G G I. This guy, he can draw like a dismantled Vespa scooter.
2: Holy it, moly! I'm it, looking at I'm it, looking at this online right now.
0: Yeah, it's it, these line bottles. And I thought, well, he's got to have like a, he's, he's penciled this thing out completely. And he's just, you know, he's, 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 you he can't see it all. But he's not, he's just drawing. He just has a, he can just draw like a, like a god. Oh anyway. my, that is
2: crazy. So, I mean, do you, do you, do you have to plan out your page or do you just start in a oh, corner yeah. and then go?
0: Well, I start, I start in a corner, but I, I do. I figure out my perspective and yeah. such and uh, but he can just like he can do like a fisheye lens drawing of something it just
2: that's unreal
0: yeah he's at most of these conventions and you know he's always I think he, he te- I understand he teaches and he uh, I, I got the a, a chance to meet him uh and anyway yeah wow that's amazing. The, the kind of thing you you see him and you go how the hell do these people do this <sighs> Well, that's funny I mean
2: I'm not an artist I don't have an artistic bone you know in my body I'm terrible at drawing a stick figure and I look at these things and I say how the hell do you do it and so it's mind boggling that you of all people can look at something and say how does he do it because it seems like you should know
0: <laughs> uh, you know I, I think the minute you become complacent you become you know <laughs> the game's over yeah
2: maybe um, yeah. as a creator though how freeing is Shaolin Cowboy for you? Are you just able to do whatever you want with it, tell whatever stories?
0: Yeah, I must have people, you know, they're like, well, when you pitch the story to Dark Horse, like I didn't pitch it to him. Yeah. And I, I, I'm i spoiled, because I've never had to convince anybody. I mean, I, the first guy I ever worked with was Mobius, and he opened the, you know, they didn't open the door, he blew the doors open for me because, you know, you work with that guy, and everybody goes, who the hell is this guy? And then when I did my own thing, people were curious to see what I did apart from him, and then, you know, that led to working with Frank Miller, and then, you know, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I've never, I mean... Yeah. I just, I mean, no one, like, when I, I do these silent cowboy books, no one sees them until I'm, you know, I send it in. I don't ever... Tell anybody what I'm doing, I just do it, and yeah you know, i i I always thought that was the way you did. I imagine you know working for a Marvel you can't get away with that kind of
2: stuff, sure, you're gonna get tons of notes and, on how you're treating the characters,
0: yeah, and understandably,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. do you but, see it as like your soapbox to to talk about and discuss issues that are better personal to you?
0: oh kind of, but I don't you know i just I just draw stuff and yeah. Uh, if I'm
1: annoyed by something,
2: I'll put it in there and, yeah so the know. the newest book though who'll stop the rain um clearly influenced by the current political and social climate uh, I think it's safe to say yeah. was there a moment though um when that story first popped into your head like was there was there a catalyst that that said okay this i need to I need to say this I need to put this in onto
0: the oh, page no, no, never really, I just because i uh, when I was working on it, the primaries were still going. And I mean, I never really liked our current president when he was just, you know, on that stupid apprentice show. Uh, <laughs> just in general, he always, I always found him very pompous. And yeah. the fact that they kept, you know, bowing down to it before he was even elected. I mean, he just seems so like, how can, how was how, how anybody buying this guy's shtick? Yep. And, and when he started, you know, speaking on immigration. And so I would just, you know, and I, and I like to draw uh, signs and, you know, I, I don't just like draw buildings that are flat buildings and they're just squares for windows. I put like billboards on there, and neon signs. And, mm-hmm. and then I just make little jokes for myself and I put some stuff about him and, you know, other people and just things in general. And, yeah. But it was, I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not trying to obviously try to change the world. It was
2: just, you know. Commenting.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, it made it a little more, I don't think what I draw, my, my world is like a generic world. It, 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 it's my own little world. Yeah. But yeah. My you, logic. logic. <laughs> <Sorry>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You've dropped in lots of, um symbols and stuff though that are sort of uh catalysts for bigger discussions in the real world though i mean you you put his name in there you've got the alt-right in there you've got swastikas and the confederate flag dropped in there i'm curious
0: yeah, well, what you know, the, the swastikas actually that's all that it's not not all those are meant to be nazi symbols they're supposed to be because that's that whole buddhist sure who is a symbol and, and on the, the the crab, actually, the, he was in the Birdman ones, and he, those were Buddhist symbols on him. And since all those people are working for that crab, right. I thought they would, that Buddhist sign, uh, they would be having that Buddhist symbol, not realizing that they're thinking that it's the Nazi, uh, <laughs> the Nazi symbol. Right. It's like they're they kind of joined up for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I, he, I like that sort of, uh, you know... Misunderstanding or that you know appropriation of something that doesn't supposed to mean that now it's suddenly a disgusting disgusting. I was actually concerned about having so much of that in there I was afraid that I don't want to give them free publicity because yeah. a repugnant organization, but um, i I like the the idea that he doesn't mean it that way. But the rest of them, the some, rest, of them some of them do it, some don't. And they've misunderstood
2: like the intention.
0: Yeah, you know, like the girl. The girl's not. She's not a Nazi by any stretch of the situation. The girl is, she was sitting on top of her head.
1: Yeah. She.
0: I mean, those are. That's his way of appropriating her, which makes him a horrible guy, a horrible crab. <laughs> <laughs> but those are meant to be, you know, Buddhist symbols. <laughs> but,
2: yeah. but you know, it, it's it's the, the irony is that the characters in the book are misled by the symbology, I guess. And I would would imagine it's also happening in the real world, people who pick up the book and read it and misread what you're saying or misread what's on the page. So I'm curious about the feedback and the comments that you've either heard or or received directly.
0: I haven't gotten any. Most people, you know, I'm very, really curious because I'll I'll go to conventions. and I have a print that I did that's in the book, uh, a hardcover book, and it's just... Big giant baby Trumpish.
2: Oh, yeah. Another one.
0: And I'll have that on my table, and I'm waiting for someone to yell at me. You know, <laughs> like, you know, oh, you're disrespecting our president. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, no one disrespects him more than himself, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And no one, no one I finally had someone. I was just in New York, and it was a, a, a older couple, and they looked at it. And they were, first, they were interested in what was, and they saw that, and they go, Oh, I see. And they, they rushed off. Oh, no. That was, that's all I've gotten. I haven't gotten, except I posted that drawing on Facebook once, and someone said to me, So, when are you going to do one about Hillary Clinton? Yeah. And, uh, and I said, Well, you know, I, I don't dislike Hillary Clinton to <laughs> I, I, I would have, you know, I would have preferred, you know, Bernie Sanders, but. Uh, you know, I I voted for him in the primary here in Chicago, but I still think that she's a, a, immensely qualified. And the, the, the hatred of that woman—I uh, to this day I don't understand. Yeah, I really—I can't wrap my head around. Hear, hear. Why put it around? Is—is it, is, is it misogyny? I don't. It. They just hate her. And if you ask, I've asked people, why do you hate her? I just hate her, but why? What has she done? What would you hate about her? more than a guy who's ruined people's lives and uh, thinks so little of belittling i mean the handicap and that you know that the, I mean, the old, patient, it's just i just, i just hate her yeah and that's
2: at the end of the day that's what it is the only, i mean you have to it, it, it always comes back down to misogyny because the if you press these people on why they hate her the reasons that you'll ultimately get are exactly the same reasons why they love trump so it's yeah, and it's
0: I, and, I, and I do believe that another part of it is the fact that you know I and I I think this whole uh, you know kneeling for the flag has really brought to the foreground is that people you know you know we just put up with eight years of a black man in power. There's no fucking way now you're going to shove a woman down her throat. Yeah. I mean that's where I think we put up with enough now. I mean it's wet from the because we really haven't come to, to grips with the, the bigotry. The fact that people can't understand it, what what Kaepernick started, isn't about disrespecting the flag or people that have, have died serving in the not, army. Not, not at all. It's not about that at all. But they can't, well, you know, it's, just, it's a fucking song and a piece of cloth. And, and if... What what really matters is are the words. What what and living by it because behavior to quote Andrew Bax, behavior is truth. And just standing up, and putting your hand over your heart doesn't make you a good American. That's right. It makes you a lazy American. This is like people that that put you know they'll put a bumper sticker on the back of their car and they they find themselves as a social activist. They're not. They just bought a fucking a, a <laughs> fucking bumper sticker. It's not if you're not going out there to march or you're not you know. Whether it's where you're recycling, you're contributing to uh, education or uh, uh, people's rights, then you're really not. You're just it's, you're just it's just lip service. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. It's and, bump,
2: uh, bumper sticker culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you know, Hallmark card. Uh, yeah. Emotional.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Um. What. <sighs> What is it about the Western aesthetic and, and the hyper violence that we see in Shaolin Cowboy*? What is it about those things that appeal to you as a storyteller?
0: What do you mean when you say Western? You mean like literally, like Western, like cowboy movie, or just the Western culture?
2: Uh, Western, like the Old West. I mean, I, I understand that it's not set in oh. the Old West, but it's got that aesthetic. You know what I mean? It feels very not, Western. I, I
0: just, I, I, I grew up. I grew up when every TV show was a Western and I, I see everything as a Western anyway. I yeah. like Star Wars for me as a Western. Oh, sure. Yeah. I uh, mean, you know, John Wick uh, is a Western and it's a Western or a Samurai movie. And the Samurai movies are all like Westerns. They have so much in common that you get the, the guy that comes into town and cleans things up. And, you know, I mean, my whole archetypal character is, is, Toshiro Mifune and Yojimbo or Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood and you know the, the fistful of West the fistful of dollars Western. I mean yeah. the guy that you know, he's not necessarily the best guy on the planet, but he kinda sees when things aren't good and he does the right thing, uh, in a bad situation. But yeah. so that of always appeals. And I always like the idea, especially this comes from the Japanese films of the sixties when they would have Heroes that are not heroic-looking by American Western standards, uh, like the um, Lone Wolf and Cub movies.
2: Oh yeah, sure.
0: For me, Saburo Wakayama, who plays Lone Wolf, is not—you know—he's not very—he's you know, not, very, he's not uh, Brad Pittish at all. Yeah. And so you're expecting to have that facility with his body. I mean, he's kind of chubby and. You know, he kind of can jump around. That's him <laughs> jumping around, man. And uh, or Zatowichi was another, it was, you know, Wakayama's brother, Symparo Katsu played Zatoichi And he's just this blind guy that, you know, I'm convinced that they saw Marvel saw, <laughs> and that's where Daredevil came from. Oh yeah, uh, and he, uh, you know, he they they underestimate this blind man, and. To their own <laughs> misfortune or I like that but time I just to try yeah I just you know yeah but I don't but in the violence of it I, I you know I just I, I think it's kind of goofy what I draw I mean it's because it's so impossible I mean I I kind of concerned me it really kind of bothered me after uh especially after Las Vegas I I posted something about you know guns and uh and I got some people who say, well oh, you're you're a good one to talk. You you know, you make your living drawing that kind of stuff. And it kinda of gave me pause. I don't, I yeah. but my my I think the stuff that I draw is so impossible that no one could ever reproduce it in real life. And it's just um it it's like a for me it's like a, a itchy and scratchy cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh I just it's it, my wife is pretty squeamish and she's always thought that what I grew is goofy. <laughs> I think it's goofy.
2: Yeah. It's it's extreme. It is very extreme. Um, but, I but,
0: can, but, but I can't watch you. Like, I can't watch things like Saw, those kind of movies. I can't watch that stuff at all. It bothers
1: yeah.
2: me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the whole, like... Um...
0: But, but Low Wolf and Cub, I'll watch one of those things. And this makes me... Sometimes it makes me laugh because... You know, you've got the—you know—they've hooked him up with some sort of a hose, and so the stuff is squirting out like a—it doesn't look real at all.
2: Yeah, the uh, high-pressure blood that squirts out of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, or or in the—you know—the John Woo uh, movies. I mean, some guy gets shot a hundred times, and he's like, you know, still alive at the end. He go, "Come on, let's go home." And you yeah. know, the guy—he's oh, not going to die. <laughs> it's surreal to me. Brad, yeah. something like I always thought Peckinpah's films were. Yikes. Those things, they ring true. That stuff, that violence is really... Yeah. But he's making a point of it. And, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, like something like the A-Team always bothered me because they made violence so kind of... Cool. I uh, made I'm being a hypocrite. Well, and fun, like a guy would jump into a room and he'd spray the room with bullets and nobody ever got hurt. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's probably... I don't know why, but
1: that
2: always bothered me. I could never watch those shows. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you in, in the sense that, you know, the things like, what do they call them, the torture porn, like Saw, those yeah. movies, like, I can't, I can't watch those movies, and especially they now call, with... Yeah, the, they call
0: them horror movies, but
2: I don't... I don't they're not horror, they're just, they're... See, to me, yeah, a good yeah. horror movie is a thriller. It's a movie that, that makes you jump up, you know, or, or expect, you know, yeah. you don't know what's coming. It's the unexpected. Those m- s- movies yeah, like yeah. Saw are just bloody. They're just violent, yeah. for violence' or, sake.
0: I, I never watched, you know, Friday the 13th never interested me, I never because I, I don't like movies about bad guys, I mean, like, horror, like monsters, and I, never, I like Frankenstein, because he's, you know, kind of a missile, and Dracula is kind of a, um, you know, like, the creature from the black—they're all kind of misunderstood beasts, but they're not. You know, Frankenstein has just been dealt a bad hand, and uh, you know he doesn't. He's just like a, uh, an animal, whereas you know, like making a hero out of Freddy Krueger was like a. I think in the original film, he was a pedophile. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I remember when they made a doll out of him. I was just like, holy shit! And it was a, for kids. It was this doll of a pedophile. Remember, yeah. they yanked it off the market really fast. Yeah. But I, I'm amazed that it got to because I had one. I got one. You know, this thing is going to disappear. It's just no way that it's just freaky.
2: Yeah. Like how how well, is this appropriate for our children? Yeah. <laughs> um, but with the violence that we're talking about, and what, and um, that's where you've been living for the last. However many years you've been working on *Child and Cowboy*, do you think that you'll ever go back and work on a kid-friendly property again?
0: You mean like, like what, like, uh, like well, do, do, something well, like something? I was kid-friendly. It was <laughs> because <laughs> I mean he he put that whole thing in there about them using those. For me, in that comic, everybody's dead. All those people that turn into monsters, he kills them all. They're monsters. He's got Ribbit Frank. And it's pretty funny. He puts something in there about, you know, these special kind of bullets that don't harm people. Yeah. Bring them back to their senses, which I thought was pretty funny. But in my mind, they're all dead. They're all all monsters.
2: So in your mind, you've never done anything that's been particularly (laughs) kid-friendly?
0: No, except working at Hanna-Barbera. There you go. even back then, because I've told this story before, we got, we'd got get bored, and we would um, uh, put little messages. Like with, if it was a panel truck, it was a delivery truck, we'd write the names of uh, 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 serial killers on the trucks. And, and they got back past board, uh, the board of uh, standards and uh, practices. I mean, if you look closely, you'll see like, and Richie Rich, every once in a while, a truck will go by. Like, you know, who Ed Gein is
2: with with what?
0: You know who Ed Gein is?
2: Ed Gein, I don't.
0: Well, he's the guy that they based uh, um, Psycho on. He was a guy that would kill, was eating people and killing people. Oh, and
2: okay.
0: Other, and we had like Ed. Gein, we had Gein's dried meats. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we had like one it was it was John Wayne Gacy who was killing the yeah, young Yeah, man. Yeah. And we had Gacy's boys wear on one of the... Oh, the and these made yeah. it through, and
2: they're on Richie Rich?
0: Oh, yeah, they're, they're out there. Oh, no. So, look, yeah.
2: <sighs> oh, that's incredible. Jeff, Here, I
0: mean, Jeff, thank well, you. I did, one, I did one thing that got us into because they thought it got onto television. And it was... um Because we had these... You weren't supposed to draw anything new if you could find it in the model files. Right. These files. And you go through there and you look for like if they needed a country bumpkin, you'd look for when you could pull it out. And we got we did this thing, there's one of a I thought this was so funny. It was a guy on a gurney.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And it was just a guy laying on a hospital gurney with a sheet over him. And I took it and I and I traced it and, <laughs> and I gave him this enormous erection with so <laughs> the sheet with in the middle. And it was for super friends, and I changed the name of the sheet. It said, um, uh, super friend uh, super friend John Holmes oh my gosh and I put it back in there thinking no one will ever see it and somebody going through there found it and they were they thought that it made it on the oh, air no <laughs> and they're like trying to figure it out and my boss you know, I opened up to it I said oh that was me I put that in there as a joke it, it was never on the he goes I guess well that's uh, uh, that's a kind of a, a dangerous joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's
2: I love it. I, I now I kind of wish I could see that because I you know of course it didn't make it to air, but I want to see the, uh, the the picture.
0: <laughs> it was John Holmes. It was called. I mean, it said John Holmes Super Friend.
2: That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jeff. But they
0: actually went through, they studied, they went through and they looked through to make sure there wasn't anything else like that. And <laughs> I told them that's the only one I did.
2: Hire some intern to go through and watch every episode, make sure it yeah. didn't make it into the background somewhere.
0: Well, that they wouldn't have cared about, but, but they just worried that, you know, well, if it was in that file, they were just concerned that it, if it got into that file and it meant it had been used. Yeah. I mean I never meant for it you know I just didn't think anybody would ever find that thing I mean how many times do you need a hospital gurney
2: exactly how many times do you see that on a kid's cartoon yeah (laughs) Jeff thank you so much for your time this has just been amazing
0: well it's something it's something and you didn't you didn't didn't hang up on me and I didn't hang up on you and you didn't hang up
2: on me so it's you know we can leave friends right
0: Yeah. well yeah.
2: (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate
3: it. Um Hanna barbera that reminded me when I was a kid, I grew up. My dad was like a Sunday school superintendent, uh-huh. and they had these like uh they had these like religious hanna-Barbera cartoons. What? they would what go mean? back like, with time. the Hanna
2: barbera characters?
3: No, it was made by the studio. Oh. And they would go back in time and they would, like, these modern people would go back in time and, like, explore Bible stories. And it wasn't necessarily Bible. I think it was actually Jewish. I think it was, like, they're, they're exploring, like, the Torah stories. Which is the Old Testament, right? But- so, so Hanna
2: Barbera <laughs> actually made them. It was like Hanna Barbera was making yes. animated shows for like religious studies and religious schools.
3: Yes, I would say they were probably contracted to do it. I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but that's what it reminds
2: me of. That's unreal. <laughs> I have I've never heard that before.
3: Yeah, isn't that, isn't that wild? Oh man, we. If we ever get to dive into the subculture that exists of things in sunday school that you watch when i was like oh we we can have a i will we could have a
2: show on that i will absolutely <laughs> let you handle that one <laughs> yeah. way outside of my zone
3: <laughs> You yeah. you you wouldn't even you think mr jessup and the tickle trunk is a trip you <laughs> You haven't seen ah. it all.
2: <laughs> we we need to have you we need to have you run a few episodes here Where is uh yeah. is Mr. Dressup still alive?
3: No no he's been he's been gone for a few years now. But we could oh, have okay. a Mr. Dress Up episode, that'd be fun.
2: That would be fun. Get a couple of get a get a round table of a bunch of Canadians and I'll just sit there like dumbfounded. <laughs> like a deer in the headlights, like what is going on? <laughs>
3: All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back every single week. Jamie, once again, fantastic interview. You did wonderful. Thank you, sir. You did wonderful. No problem. And we will see you guys next week. Don't forget to answer the question of the week. Where did you find or where do you find us? How do you listen to your podcast? Where do you download them from? Where do you search them? That's a lot of questions, but basically that, or uh (laughs) whatever whatever you feel like responding to that. You can get us at the GBBpodcast.com podcast. On Twitter and Facebook, and I'm Justin at 140 Justin C.
2: And I'm Jamie at the Roarbots. And if you wanted to give us a call, so if you know you've got like a lot to say and you want to put it in a voicemail, you can do that at 301-825-5653.
3: And we will see you next week right here on the Great Big Beautiful podcast. <laughs> Take care. Okay.
0: This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at Patreon.com/GeekDad.